I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, hello. Welcome to Jules Says. I'm Jules, Julie, grandmother, mom. I might have a special guest who's an actual professional on within the next few weeks. I'm not 100% sure whether we're going to be able to make that happen, but you know, I'm happy to give unprofessional advice as long as you understand that I qualify that, and it's life experience only. If my special guest is able to make it, the plan is to talk about jealousy, not necessarily romantic jealousy, but all kinds of other jealousy, such as sibling jealousy, friend jealousy, jealousy over material possessions. I hope not. There are all kinds of things that we could feel jealous about. But if we get the expert on, we will get a professional perspective. If you have anything you'd like us to talk about, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. No promises. Fingers crossed. I was actually paid for audiobook royalties from the month of April. Actually, no. I think I had something like $9 sitting in there from earlier months, but they only pay out if you earn over $10. I'm now working on my fourth in the Hannah and Tamar mystery series. I actually have become quite invested in these characters, and also with Alora and her friends in the science fiction mystery series. All these books are suitable for preteens and teens. Maybe try one of my audiobook stories for a summer road trip. I think you can return it if you hate it. But each book has a sample online, so maybe check them out. I guess teen mystery is my vocal genre. Happy Platinum Jubilee to those of you who celebrate the queen or the monarchy, whether it's our current queen or not. One of my listeners asked me to talk about my thoughts on the royal family. So, in honor of 70 years of Queen Elizabeth's reign, I shall. Only because I was asked because normally I just keep these opinions to myself. And the Jubilee jubilation has been in the news this past week. Throngs of people dressing up, decorating in a festive way, and celebrating. People do love a day off and a reason to party. 
to be honest, most of what I know about the monarchy is from the Netflix series The Crown, a handful of documentaries, and from my modern Irish History University course, which certainly didn't endear the monarchy of that era to someone who is descended, at least partly, from Irish immigrants. But I did grow up in Canada, in Ontario, singing God Save the Queen alongside the Canadian National Anthem in school every day. And for whatever reason, I always had a fondness for the Queen. I'm not sure why, but seeing the crown increased my fondness and respect for her. She's always struck me as very calm, thoughtful, and she does appear to genuinely care about trying to do the right thing, which I respect. And I have to admit, also, back in the day, I was a little bit intrigued about Prince Charles and the other one's escapades with the ladies. That was all over the news when I was a young woman. Edward was still just a youth, so we didn't really hear too much about him. And I used to think to myself, well, they're not good-looking at all, but maybe it would be cool to live the life of a wealthy princess. I'm pretty much just keeping under the radar and not ruffling feathers anyway. I might as well at least have financial security. And... I'm not an entitled person. I, I think I would have been a nice princess. Of course, I had no idea that I would have been considered a garbage peasant. I just knew it would never happen, mostly because I lived in Sarnia and I didn't move in elite social circles. But at the time, I thought, well, if one of them met me, they might actually like me. Alas, I grew into a woman who realizes that what I want does, in fact, matter. I crave independence, and I'm disgusted with the snobbery of class hierarchy, which, of course, the monarchy represents. It, 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 it's like turbocharged white supremacism on rocket fuel. And I think it's a mindset most of us in Canada simply don't have. I know that we have racist people, but we don't seem to have an obvious intra-euro class hierarchy. Well, I guess England isn't euro anymore, is it? Maybe we do a little bit. There are people who might be referred to as redneck, but I don't think it's necessarily a slur. I think people who consider themselves rednecks own it with pride, and I think it's just, I don't, I don't think it's a slur. But one thing I have noticed over the years is that uh, I've known people from other countries, not just England, who seem to believe that born and bred Canadians are beneath them. I used to work with one guy who had immigrated from England. I carpooled with him for a while, actually, with him and one other fellow I worked with in the 80s, as a matter of fact. And though I would say he was a nice enough, caring man who loved his family, I would be very surprised if he were a philandering boozer. He was never overtly disrespectful. But some of the things he said certainly informed me, even back then, of who he was. As a lot of older men were in the 80s, he was a tad misogynistic. He was definitely the quote-unquote man of the house. He would, he would talk about, you know, as you would in a carpool, you might chat about your weekend or the night before, and he would talk about his wife and daughter in ways that certainly indicated to me that he was definitely king of the house. One time he mentioned knocking his teen daughter on the settee, 
Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to knock our children on the settee, no matter how much they challenge our patients. The other thing about him was he genuinely considered himself to be superior to Canadians, which at the time I thought was quite amusing. One day he told me about something that was ironical and in the next breath said, I ought to teach you good English. I just I just thanked him for the kind offer. And I know I'm not replicating his accent accurately, but I think you can tell that it wasn't the posh accent, but something closer to maybe Pygmalion, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it was just fascinating to me that he considered himself to be higher class than all of us. And, you know, there's a part of me that envies people who walk through the world just so confident that they're great or gorgeous. What a gift. I can't imagine how that would feel, but I'd love to try it someday. Just wake up one morning and live my life for one day as though I'm the tits. Once in a pub in Ireland, again, this was the 80s or 90s, I was a wife and mother by then, some man verbally attacked me about how much Canadians love the Queen. I assured him that most of us don't really give the monarchy much thought. No, you fucking love the Queen. He, he was kind of yelling nose to nose in my face. I see you all on TV crowding to see her whenever she visits. Uh, he was very aggressive. I was young enough that I still got upset if someone hated me, even a belligerent stranger. But I was pretty happy to walk away from that one. As the wise Catherine Ryan says, don't argue with an idiot. Also, it's none of my business what you think of me. I'm certainly not the kind of person to go to a huge public gathering to see anyone. I don't like arena concerts. I want to have an assigned seat. I certainly wouldn't be a member of a throng to see anyone, including the Queen, who... Even though she is the Queen of Canada, and she's represented by an appointed governor general, one of whom scandalized the Post in recent years by behaving like an absolute tyrant to her staff and all who crossed her path. So she was turfed. But now we have Her Excellency the Right Honorable Mary Simon, the first Indigenous Gigi, a highly accomplished woman, who has attained international recognition for her work on Arctic and Indigenous issues, Inuit rights and culture. But anyway, royalty, the monarchy, does seem completely outdated and a bit ridiculous to me, not to mention a waste of money and disrespectful to Indigenous Canadians and people of color. I, they, do have a, they do have a history of not only colonialism, but slavery. But that's, these attitudes are changing. Thank God. I did hear of one Indigenous person in a CBC documentary about what the Queen means to Canada, who said he would be nervous to dispense with the royal connection. He was one of the chiefs. Because the Indigenous treaties are with the Crown, not with the Canadian government, which was an interesting perspective to me and unexpected, given the not-so-ancient history of colonial abuse in this country and the fact that our land is not crown land, as it's called, but land that even the Indigenous people didn't consider as being owned by them. I'm probably not articulating this very well. 
but I believe that their culture considers the land more as a gift to be respected and shared and cared for. The treaties with the crown were supposed to be agreements to share, respect, and care for the land, as I understand it. The indigenous people never signed those treaties so that European colonizers could just take it, claim ownership, and extract everything on it, and treat the original people here like savages. But anyway, it it is embarrassing, because that is my ancestry, even though none of my ancestors that I'm aware of ever did any of that stuff. But perhaps the fact that Her Excellency the Right Honorable Mary Simon is the Queen's representative is a step, a small step, toward atoning for the past and hopefully doing better in the future. Now, as far as the cost goes, I've read that the monarchy more than pays for itself in tourism dollars. I don't know if that's true or if it's just media spin. One Google result I checked today claims the net profit to the country is around £430 million a year. Even though the monarchy and the governor general have no power in English or Canadian politics, perhaps they set a tone for the country. Even if a leader does nothing concrete, they do set the tone. So maybe the Queen's quiet dignity and respect is worth something in and of itself. The rest of her family, time will tell how the young ones manage. Apparently, the Queen told one of our past GGs, Michael Jean, or it might have been Adrienne Clarkson, it was in that CBC documentary, and I forget, uh. but apparently she told one of the past GGs that she would never abdicate. So we'll see what happens. Now, I was admittedly quite taken with Diana and her story. Diana was only a year younger than I was, and she had this captivating je ne sais quoi about her. I sometimes think that even if she had not married Prince Charles, she might have been a celebrity in some other capacity, not because she sought fame, but there was just something so otherworldly about her. To this day, I'm still fascinated by documentaries and films about her, and I think part of the reason for that is because we never know how much of the truth we're actually getting. I was young when she was young, and I felt incredibly sad when she was being hounded, and especially when she died and how she died. I still feel that way when I see her face, alive and luminous. I feel sad for her children, too, and her grandchildren. I think it's a shame that Charles and Camilla couldn't have just been together from the start. There's a lesson in that. Sometimes people meet someone they can't imagine living without. Societal constructs shouldn't necessarily stop them from being together. Certainly not a class hierarchy. I know that sometimes these differences can present challenges in your life together. But look what happens when you try to ignore it. Uh, Some of us may have sons or daughters or family members who fall in love with someone who we think is not acceptable. Now, if we think they're not acceptable due to horrible character flaws, that's one thing. But if it's because they're a different race, culture, religion, class, if you live in a classist society, those things genuinely should not even account for anything, as long as the person's character is decent. 
I have time for some emails today. Yay! Please send me anything you want about jealousy in case I have an opportunity to get this special guest on. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's an email called, oh, Social Anxiety. Dear Jules, I love your podcast and the insight it brings to my life. I look forward to Thursday mornings because I faithfully listen to you while I prepare for the day. Thank you. Today's podcast about social anxiety, I think it was called, it was called Drinker's Remorse. Today's podcast has me thinking and thinking and thinking. I've never suffered from social anxiety and have always been comfortable in social situations, but I too have felt that things have changed since lockdowns. Through the first lockdown, I followed the rules to the letter. During the second lockdown, I started questioning if this was what was best for my family. I started seeing behaviors in my own children that were completely foreign to me, mainly a concerning addiction to screens and becoming socially awkward. Specifically concerning was a young teen who I have always been very close with, who withdrew into someone I no longer recognized. He had always had anxieties, but he had the outlet of the arts. The arts, drama, music were all taken away from him in the blink of an eye. He became withdrawn, even from the people closest to him, which scared me. The result was that I made decisions that were what I hoped were best for my own family and assumed others would understand. I could not have been more wrong. I was openly judged, laughed at behind my back, and shamed for not following the rules from people who I deeply cared about. When it came time to make decisions about getting immunized, I once again mistakenly believed that we lived in a society that would respect others' choices. I made my choice but never once cared what other people chose. By the way, my choice was to get vaccinated, though I never felt the need to announce it. I only mention it now because when people learn you are vaccinated, they mistakenly assume that you, too, disrespect, disregard, or are disgusted with the people who didn't make the same choice. I was involved in some uncomfortable conversations around this issue. I have strong opinions about things, and I have always enjoyed discussing topics with others who have strong opinions, even if they're different from mine. What I was unprepared for was the judgment and finger-pointing that went along with those opinions. Again, some from people I deeply care about. Fast forward, and I'm left with a bit of a lost feeling. 
I find myself gravitating toward like-minded people who spent two and a half years not judging anyone for any decision they made, whether it be for gatherings, masks, immunizations. Even though they may have had strong opinions that didn't align with mine, they didn't judge. When I attend a gathering now that includes some of the people who openly judged or publicly shamed, I don't know how to feel. I'm not sure anymore if these are my people. I want these people in my life, but I find myself uncharacteristically quiet around them. I second-guess everything I say because I'm no longer sure that my thoughts or opinions aren't being judged or laughed at the minute I leave. So instead, I choose to stay quiet and avoid any controversial topics. Since this isn't who I am as a person, it makes these gatherings far less enjoyable, as I don't engage in meaningful conversation, just idle small talk. For the first time in my life, I'm now experiencing social anxiety, something I've never dealt with. I guess my question to you is this, how do I move forward from this? There's a lot there. First, I want to say that I completely understand why people mistrust the government, big pharma, lying liars, charlatans, money wasters. I get it, even though I was comfortable getting vaccinated. The most disturbing part of the whole thing was how horrible some people were to one another. You are not alone in this. The posts, the memes from friends and family jeering at how stupid people were— Someone would call you stupid, whether you trusted the vaccination or not, whether you wore a mask or not, whether you complied with the lockdowns or not. But it isn't black and white. It wasn't hard for me to comply with lockdowns, even when I thought it was getting a bit ridiculous. I don't have children at home. I don't have elderly or vulnerable people in my life. I can work from home. I have financial security, food security, shelter security, excellent health. I just think it's very sad that anyone did this to someone, and I genuinely hope that if you are someone who publicly posted things about how stupid other people are, I hope you think about their perspective or ask and listen to the people you love and maybe apologize. You can certainly disagree and still love someone and still not be unkind about the disagreement. It's not worth damaging relationships with people you care about. But that wasn't your question. How do you move on? I, it's not easy. Your trust in people you care about has been compromised. If I love someone, I don't expect them to agree with me. And I would like to trust that people who care about me would accept differences of opinion with grace. I don't know how anyone really moves on from that. There's no guarantee that you'll be able to fully trust these people again. And they could be still thinking that you were stupid for your decisions. But since you do want them in your life, hopefully time will heal those relationships to some extent. However, depending on how close you are, I think without a full, honest discussion of how how their actions made us feel and vice versa and listening to each other, the relationship may never be 100%. And that discussion is a difficult one to initiate. You risk not being heard, or you risk deflection, which could make you feel worse. Some people may view such a discussion as criticism, double down and get defensive. And maybe you will just have to let it go and accept that that is a, a subject that we're just going to avoid. 
However, there is a chance that some people may apologize or may already realize deep down that they've hurt you and feel badly about it, but not know whether or how to broach the subject. I've certainly made a lot of mistakes in my life, and sometimes I shoot my mouth off, and I sincerely appreciate the opportunity to own up and be forgiven and to have my perspective on the same situation heard by the other person. It has to go two ways, the listening. Maybe you'll be ready to have some of these conversations one-on-one with some of the people who matter most to you. Maybe not all of them. Maybe dip your toe in with one person who's likely to be receptive to an honest exchange. And in the meantime, hopefully time and seeing these people more often will alleviate some of that anxiety. And congratulations on not having had social anxiety before. Do you know how many people walk around with this all the time? I just think you're probably the life of the party. Maybe you need to just decide it's none of my business what you think of me. Be yourself. That's easier said than done. But I think it's I think it's a good position to take. Oh, I might have time for one more. Am I overreacting? Hi, Jules. I hope this email finds you well. I hope you have the time to read this and to tell me, am I overreacting? I was dating an old friend from college for 10 months. Evan has many great qualities, but is very incompetent in life skills. He's a privileged mummy's boy who hasn't had to lift a finger and has a small world view because he hasn't really left his town. This was an issue because we would often get into debates about social political issues, such as women's experiences, racial issues, etc., I would say I lean left-wing, but he has many great qualities. These are the ones that have caused issues. I expressed that this relationship isn't going to work because I won't be a replacement for his mom. He needs to learn how to look after himself. I was tactful and expressed this gently. I explained that maybe we just needed to take a step back and further down the line, maybe we can date again. I still like and care about him, and I told him that. We continued talking daily, but stopped sleeping together and didn't meet up much. We were going to book a holiday before the conversation I initiated, and since this wasn't happening anymore, on the spur of the moment, I booked a solo trip. We spoke pretty much every day for the first half of the holiday. I was about to move up north of the Greek island I was staying on, over a mountain and in a remote destination. I expressed to him that I was nervous because there was no public transport, and what if I got unlucky with my taxi driver? I hadn't fully thought this accommodation location through. How would I get there? I was anxious. Understandable. I hate getting in a car with a stranger. You know how I feel about that. The next day, once I had already gotten the taxi and thankfully arrived safely, he messaged me that evening telling me how busy his day had been at work, how he was out and about so couldn't talk but hoped I'd made it to the accommodation okay, and that he'd ring the next morning. I messaged back to say the place I was staying in was nice, and I'd made it there safely, and I'd be busy in the morning. I wasn't really busy, just annoyed he hadn't messaged sooner. Oh, He phoned me in the morning anyway and ranted about how work was going, not asking at all how the trip was. I interjected and said, sorry, Evan, can we talk later? I'm a bit busy at the moment. He said, okay, sure, bye. He sounded a bit put off. That was the last I heard from him. No message to see if I'd made it back to England okay after the holiday. We had tickets booked for something, but since he hadn't messaged me to see if I made it back, I didn't feel like reaching out. 
After he stopped talking to me while I was away, I was bitten by a jellyfish. I had a bad reaction. My whole arm swelled up. I was almost sent to hospital, but protested because I hadn't sorted insurance. Thankfully, I'm okay now. And now you know to sort insurance. I didn't have to tell you that. Sometimes we learn best when we just learn things through natural consequences, don't we? He tried messaging about two weeks after I arrived back home to say he was previously annoyed and needed some time to process how he was feeling, but that he'd like to talk about it now. When I saw the message, it made me feel angry. I don't understand why he could have been upset. I'm the one who has reason to be upset. It's not the fact that he stopped talking to me that I find upsetting. It's the timing. I was away alone. Didn't he care how I was? Well, in his mind, he probably thought, well, you chose to go away alone. Do you think I should listen to his side of the story or take this as a sign that he would be a bad life partner and clearly doesn't care about me and continue to have his number blocked? Oh, you've blocked him. Sometimes I think, am I the asshole here? And I can't tell if I've jumped the gun and blocked a dear friend over something petty. Maybe he was a little wrong, but maybe it doesn't warrant blocking. Or maybe I'm right and need to move on because he clearly didn't care or isn't aware of what it's like to be a woman and the dangers we face, even though I've tried to have these conversations with him in the past, only for him to have made me feel like I've overreacted. What are your thoughts? Well... Very often, these things are not black and white, right or wrong. There's usually nuance. But your last comment in particular did jump out at me. You've tried to have these conversations in the past, only for him to insinuate or say you're overreacting. Whether or not you're overreacting isn't really the point. If you feel something, you don't have to necessarily be right or wrong. Feeling like or being told you're overreacting is kind of an irrelevant judgment. It's not really the point. If you feel something, you feel it. And it sounds as though you calmly try to articulate your feelings. Are you throwing things, hitting him, kicking off with a tantrum? Those behaviors would be a problem, in which case I would recommend therapy or maybe an anger management program. But it seems as though you're not doing that. If someone repeatedly tells you you're overreacting, They're telling you that your feelings are inconsequential to them, and they're gaslighting you. This is how people gaslight us all the time. Oh, you're overreacting. I'm a bit surprised that you two phone each other so much. I thought you young people only texted. I mean, it's nice to touch base with someone and hear their voice when you're away. Not something I would do regularly necessarily, but maybe that made sense because you were alone. But next time you say you're busy and the person calls you anyway, whether it's your love or someone else, just don't pick up. He either didn't listen, didn't care, or forgot. And that sounds like a pattern. And if it's genuinely an emergency, the person will leave a message or text you. So just don't pick up next time. But then you didn't hear from him for, I'm assuming, three weeks or so, maybe a week while you finished your trip and then... And then two weeks after you got home, did, I'm not sure when did you block him, but you were in contact. I'm not sure because I'm not sure at what point you blocked him. I don't know if it was worth a blockage, but did you text him during this time to let him know you were home, that you had time to talk, that you had a jellyfish incident? I get the impression you may not have, which sounds like Each one of you expected the other to make the first move to resume contact. 
I can see how this could seem to each of you that the other didn't care. But this is where we get into trouble with these assumptions about why someone else did or didn't do something. If you didn't contact him at all because you were annoyed or hurt, that doesn't mean you don't care. He, on the other hand, might have interpreted it as you not caring about his stressful job while you were gallivanting about in Greece. We often imagine what other people are feeling without really knowing. And of course, women tend to ruminate on these things more. I say tend to. We don't all. And I think a lot of times men just go about their lives. They'll go off and play video games or watch some sports. Or If you did reach out and he was ghosting you for three weeks, I think that's kind of worse on his part. The thing about you expecting him to care about whether or not you're safe or well I genuinely think it probably didn't cross his mind. And you're absolutely right. I think a lot of men, at least in Western societies, especially cishet white men, do live their lives taking personal safety for granted. And it's hard for them to even comprehend when women try to explain how we can't take our safety for granted because it's not their experience. However, that doesn't give them a free pass Because a mature, empathetic adult should be able to listen to others' perspectives, believe them, and accept that their feelings are valid, particularly someone who they love. I I would say you're probably right. Your safety didn't enter his head. And since you've had these conversations with him before, he's he's probably a little bit self-absorbed. But the bottom line to me is this. Of course, Evan has a lot of good qualities. Most people do have both good and bad qualities, but sounds to me as though he's not necessarily a good match for you as a life partner. He might be fine to dash about with and have fun with for now, but as long as you're hanging around with him, you're not available to meet someone who's better for you. And there are women who want to be with someone who's dependent on them, who Women who relish being needed, who are happy to focus on their partner as the center of their universe. And it sounds to me as though Evan might be better suited to someone like that. It sounds like you want an equal partner, someone who shares in all the mundane yet necessary day-to-day stuff like cooking and cleaning, as opposed to having a servant, someone who's interested in your well-being, who listens and cares about how you feel. Of course, while still wanting you to listen and understand him, and no one is perfect, and you absolutely don't have to agree on everything, but we all at least deserve someone who will listen, actually consider how we feel about things, and respect us, even if they disagree. Otherwise, your frustration with not having your needs met will fester and grow and boil over time. And believe me, all of that gets way more challenging if you decide to own a home together or have children down the road. But as for listening to his side of the story, you refer to him as a dear friend. And if you want to remain friends, you might decide to listen. If you do, pay attention to whether he's also willing to listen to how this made you feel. Always remember, if someone is going to lie or what they have to say doesn't matter, then don't bother. So if you're not going to stay friends with him, it doesn't matter. If you want him to be your friend, only you can decide whether you care enough to hear him out. I hope that helps. Let me know what happens. It's a shame that this whole thing put a damper on what sounds like a glorious trip. Thank you for listening. 
If you have anything you'd like to share or ask, you can email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. And have a jubilant week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.